Hi, I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to Stages Podcast, where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage. Stages Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Oh, it's autumn. It's sweater weather. And here in the Northeast, it is also time to start preparing for the stillness of winter. Some trees change color and shed leaves and carloads of leaf peepers put on their sweaters and head to the Northeast to bathe in its beauty. But the process of leaf shedding is so much more than just a tourist attraction. When a tree sheds, it conserves energy and strength. It pulls the nutrients from each leaf and then allows that leaf to fall away to the ground. Over time, it's covered in snow and creates fertile topsoil for new life. And just like the trees, it is the perfect time of year for all of us to let the things that no longer serve us fall away. I love that image, pulling wisdom from past experiences and then letting them fall away in order to grow new dreams. But letting go isn't easy. It's a practice like everything else. And sometimes we need a little help navigating that process. And this is where BetterHelp can help. BetterHelp offers customized online therapy, either on video or live phone chat sessions. It is very affordable and you can speak to someone within 48 hours. A good therapist can really help you pull wisdom from the past and let go with kindness and courage. I highly recommend. BetterHelp has a special offer for Sage's podcast listeners. You receive 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. So many of our listeners have taken advantage of this and we thank you because when you support BetterHelp, you support Sage's podcast all while supporting your own well-being. So just for today, put on a new sweater and then I want you to close your eyes, pick one thing that you can learn and grow from, watch it change color and fall away and then grow a new dream. Log on to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, slash stages, and love where you are now. Thanks, BetterHelp. Here's a text message between Kevin and his three Ryan daughters, okay? <laughs> okay. I'm doing a podcast, and they ask if you could be any nail color, which, which one and why? Any ideas? His daughter, M, Ryan, what podcast? I'm so confused. <laughs> he answers stages. Oh, M. Ryan says, oh, fun though. Another M, his other daughter starts with an M. I go with like a beige-ish light pink and they put under a French manicure. Hold on. This is a whole conversation because it's versatile and classy, but not too much. N. Ryan, his other daughter, blue like the ocean. He says, what would you call it? M. says, well, and there's a little shine to it. <laughs> the other M daughter says, I probably do a light pink, kind of a clear because it's simple and goes with everything. It shows you have something on your nails, but it doesn't scream. Look at me. The other M goes, yeah, yeah, nude, pink. <laughs> I love this text thread so much. And all he writes to me is, I tried. <laughs> Oh, listeners, this extraordinary human is the friend, advocate, and cheerleader that you would want in your life. He sees people for their strengths and their abilities to affect change in the world. He not only encourages, he instills courage 
into those who need it most. He is the president and CEO of Covenant House International, one of the largest and most upstanding charities in North and Central America, serving homeless, trafficked, and sexually exploited youth, reaching 50,000 children and young people annually. And this is a cause very near and dear to me. I met Kevin well over a decade ago during a concert of Broadway stars benefiting Covenant House. And I was simply there to sing one song amidst a cavalcade of fabulous performers. But in listening to the mission of Covenant House, the testimonies of some of the young people living at Covenant House, and hearing not only the words of Kevin Ryan, but hearing his heart, I was forever changed. It was then that I became a part of a mission called the Sleepout. It's a movement that we will chat about later in this conversation. He, along with New York Times reporter Tina Kelly, have an in-depth and eye-opening national best-selling book, Almost Home, Helping Kids from Homelessness to Hope. And he is in his final year serving as president of Covenant House. And while he will forever lend his time, passion, and dedication to ending homelessness, he is also allowing his passion for the arts to take a serious hold. He has stepped into producing Broadway and off-Broadway shows, some of which include Suffs, Islander, Ohio, the upcoming Ohio State Murders starring Audra McDonald, and Into the Woods. His love and celebration of people, humanity, music, and growth are flowing during this stage of his life, and the Broadway scene is already better because of his involvement. We are so blessed that he joins us today, and I am doubly blessed to call him friend. He is a true 10 out of 10. Please welcome to the podcast, Kevin Ryan. Kevin Ryan, to stage, please. Kevin, can we have you to stage? Thank you. That's thank lovely. Thank you. you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so happy. Oh, that you're thank here. you, Mary Lee. I feel like I know you because I, I'm a listener to the podcast, so <laughs> I'm... I'm terrified by the five questions, but I'm excited to be. Here. Don't be scared, but we are going to mess you up with them. We're going to pick all new ones. So thank God, because I don't, I do not have an answer on the nails. I, I asked all my no, daughters. I was like, what exists. should I say? You better be ready, yo, because we still asked that one. I'm in the thank middle you, of listening to your book. As soon as I found out you were coming on, I grabbed that book and I was just sucked right in. I only have a half an hour left. And I was like, damn it. I needed to get up earlier this morning and finish my last half an hour. Uh, <laughs> well, there's there a familiar any... voice reading that book. I know. Stephanie J. Block is, yeah, is reading that book. Are there updates to, it was six individuals, right? That, yes. uh, that are our account in that book. Are there updates to those beautiful humans and, and what they might be up to now or how they're flourishing? You know, there are updates in all their lives. There's never happily ever after. You know this Uh, better than anybody. Life is filled with joy and suffering and overcoming. So some of them have experienced marriages, some divorces, some have gone on to school and gotten graduate degrees. Um, One's a grandparent. They're they're all in different places in their lives. And um, I think the most beautiful thing about it is that they have the skills and the resilience Mm -hmm. and the confidence to lean into tomorrow and um, make sure that what happened to them never happens to any of their kids or grandkids. I love that you say that because you actually speak as if you are a parent to these young people, because I can, I can say that is my hope for Vivi. You know, of course we always say we want our kids to be happy, but happy isn't a forever thing, right? Mm -hmm. So it is that resilience so that they can sit and happy for a little while, refuel, and then know that, you know, something's always going to be around the corner. So you said that exactly like a big papa bear would say about, 
you know, his many children, his 50,000 children. Yeah. I, I always call my kids, my Ryan kids or my cub kids, because I do all think of them as being young people whose lives I've been so privileged to be a part of sometimes encouraging, sometimes challenging, but always, you know, there as part of the journey. And one of the joys, of course, of being part of Covenant House for three decades is I've been able to see young people rise up to such great dreams. On our best day at Covenant House, we're alien for kids' dreams. And when they begin to believe in themselves, anything is possible. This is, this is true for our own birth children, our adoptive children. It's true for the young people at Covenant House all across Canada and the United States and Latin America. They just need adults to breathe into them. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And then they do. Have any of those kids come back and worked at the Covenant House and been a part of, of working with you? Yeah, I was just at the Covenant House in Alaska in June, and I could not believe how many staff members were former young people of Covenant House. So we have a member of the Covenant House International Board, Dr. April Hunsinger. She's a psychiatrist in Seattle, but she was facing homelessness as a 12-year-old in Alaska wow. and was, was really brutally treated by her mom. She was describing to me that her mom, who I think suffered from very serious and untreated mental illness, left them in an unheated, I guess you would say it was like a trailer, but it didn't have any of the equipment of, of a mobile home. And she and her sister would try to clean their clothes in the snow. And then they would walk into the Captain Cook Hotel, which is the hotel I was having lunch with her in. They would try to look like the children of tourists and they would ride the elevators up and they would scavenge food off of the plates of the, of the room service trays on the ground. That's how they, that's how they ate when they were 13, 14, 15. And then she had sort of the, the triple challenge of being a young mom. So she was 16 and had an infant and no home. And she found her way into Covenant House. And, you know, it, this, none of this is sentimental or easy. She overcame a ton, um, built a life for herself and her child, went to medical school, now practices medicine and is part of our Covenant House movement. And that's not an extraordinary or exceptional story, although every story is unique, but there are literally hundreds of thousands of young people who've overcome adversity and are embracing the great promise of their lives because somewhere along the way, someone said, here, I will help you. The, really, the key here is just making that circle, that circle of people who will love and breathe hope into young people big enough to catch as many young people as possible. One dreams all young people, every young person. You know, one misconception was when I speak to and for and on behalf of Covenant House, there's an understanding that it's kind of just this revolving door and those that need it the most come in and they have a safe bed and a, and a meal in the morning and then off they go, you know, almost like a homeless shelter for those that are older without a house. Yeah. And I, you know, I speak still in layman's terms, but I let them know, no, it's medical care. It's um, psychological care. It's getting paperwork in order, their social security number or right. birth certificate or driver's license right. or their general education. Yeah. It is giving, like you said, the skills that they need to make it in this world. And right. I was overwhelmed. The first time I visited, I think I went to Newark. One thing that stuck with me was when they start to find a job, whatever that looks like, the percentage that you take at Covenant House with the understanding of 
maybe it's 10%. Are you going to correct me on that? And then it goes into a little account, which when it's time for them to go and start their lives, they have a bank account ready to go that, you know, will allow them some security. That is so beautiful to me, Kevin. If you can, of course, speak much more eloquently and just um, expand on some of these thoughts. Well, I just, I want to circle back to your visit because I know how much it uh, moved you and it moves me too. One of the things that also moves me is how much it moves the young people of Covenant House to see a big Broadway star show up in the place that they now call home and to ask about them. You know, these young people have had so many different messages. You don't fit in, you don't belong, you're not worthy, you're broken. And so when adults counter-program there and bake a birthday cake, visit, mentor, coach, whatever, you know, whatever it is, but show an interest in their lives, it's for some young people exhilarating. I, you know, you, you know, we'll talk about this later, but you know when when they peer out their windows at the sleep out and they're looking down and they're thinking, oh my God, these people are crazy. But they're also thinking, wow, these people are laying down overnight on the concrete for me. It does something, you know, in the same way that our people did for us. It mm-hmm. just fills us with a sense of audacity. Like, yes, we can do that thing that seems so crazy and outrageous. We, we can do that. So in many, many ways, you, you know, you have done that. And, it, and this is, of course, why I think of it as a community, not as a charity, because the young people are breathing into us a sense of purpose and mission and connectedness. And we are breathing into them a sense of hope and joy and, um, and, and I hope audacity in terms of covenant house. Yeah. It's, it's like getting young people ready to live on their own because there's, there's a piece of this that's really about how do I cook? How do I clean? How do I save the basics? Um, Yeah. The basics. And so paying rent is part of the basics. And my, my Ryan kids were able to, fall down and come home. Cub kids don't have that luxury. They can't come home in the sense that mom and dad are waiting for them and are going to scoop them up and pay the rent. So we're trying, of course, they can come back to Covenant House, but most young people don't want to do that. They want to, when they leave, live independently. And so we're working hard to try to give them the full array of skills and tools that they need to live independently. And for some young people, this is going to be a journey that will be hard for the rest of their lives. You know, some kids are going to be climbing mountains um, until their eyes close for the last time. And other young Mm -hmm. people, it's the wind at the back and they're off. They're young people. Once upon a time, were under a Covenant House roof and are in a Broadway cast. There are other Mm -hmm. young people who once upon a time were under a Covenant House roof and are really struggling to make ends meet. That's Mm -hmm. the full array of young faces who show up every day. I think to talk a little about what you were saying when they look out the window and they see these people sleeping on the concrete for them, they feel seen. And for a lot of them, it's probably the first time in their life that they feel seen. Because I think when you come from that kind of a background, you, you do feel broken, you do feel worthless and you don't feel visible. You're invisible to the world. And when you're, when you feel like the world can't see you, you start to live inside your own head. And you start to believe your own thoughts and yoga, we call them cliches, right? They're they're repetitive patterns that we've built only from our own perception, not from reality, just from how we perceive the situations that we've been in. They become our permanent roadblocks unless someone gets in there and goes, no, no, that's just your cliche telling you over and over, but it's not the truth. It's just your pattern. And you help people 
remove those in the best cases yeah. and get yeah. and get past those blocks, which is pretty incredible. And he shook up my blocks, not to use my name in vain, but he shook <laughs> because my way to approach and perhaps encourage or embrace or whatever, I'm there, I'm there and I'm trying. It may not always be welcome. I may not always do it right, you know, but at least I try. Mary Oliver says that attention is the beginning of devotion. And this is why a particular passage in the color purple is such a perfect metaphor for Covenant House. You know, the color purple obviously is Alice Walker's story in the Antebellum South of Sealy, who is abused in many ways, like many of the young people at Covenant House, sexually abused, emotionally abused, and her children are taken away from her. And now she's thinking sort of mid-book about ending her life. I think she just averts her gaze throughout, you know, the first third of the novel. And uh, she meets the magnetic, miraculous, kinetic Shug Avery. And she just is like a lightning strike in Seely's life. And Seely doesn't realize it, but she's falling in love with Shug. And they're walking through a field one day. And Shug looks out at, you know, I imagine this is just a field of lilacs or beautiful purple flowers. And she says, I think God gets pissed off if you walk by the color purple and you don't notice. And, you know, Shug's talking about the flowers, but Alice Walker's talking about Seely. She's talking about all the people who walk around the planet with their eyes averted and their hearts emptying. And they're just about to crash because they're in the rabbit hole of despair and hopelessness. And Shug does a simple, beautiful thing. I don't even think she does it that consciously. She notices Seely and she loves her. And that changes Celie's life. They don't even end up together, right? That she just pivots Celie into a completely different trajectory. And that's Covenant House in a nutshell. Seems to me books are a very important part of your life. You talk about To Kill a Mockingbird in your TED Talk. Now you're talking about Alice Walker and her writing. So does that come from... Uh, your upbringing. I know you went to a Jesuit law school. Now, was all of your upbringing Jesuit schools? Because the thought of literature is a big part of that. And the thought of giving back is a huge part of all of that. I mean, that's the, their, their service is their sort of motto. Mm-hmm. Is doing, that yeah. doing of the you? Jesuits. I love yeah. the doing. Yeah. If, I guess, you know, it's so hard to figure out um, why we are on the path we're on. I think I was hardwired by my folks who, um, really prized service as sort of the highest form of citizenship. And that's still true. My dad has been an active member of the South Amboy, New Jersey first aid squad for 63 years, interrupted by one year of military service. That's a really remarkable thing. It's a one square mile town. I think he's been at every house twice. And, you know, as one of his kids, I paid attention, as I think all young people do, to the folks who are um, you know, leading their tribes. So I think that was a big piece of it. I, I just also think that I figured out early in my Covenant House experience that the happiest people on the planet are folks who are enmeshed in this work of um, bringing joy and heart and happiness to others. And it just filled me. And uh, and before me, my then my then girlfriend, now wife, was doing a year of service at Covenant House in New Orleans. And I just saw the way the kids inhabited her heart. I saw how she saw the world in a different way. And we were kids back then. She was probably 21 or 22. Uh, 
And she just changed. That year in New Orleans changed her. And I wanted that. I really wanted to be part of um, this human community that was lifting up. And that's just been such a huge joy and privilege. And I'm facing leaving it now with mixed feelings. I certainly know that it's time for Covenant House to have a new face and voice at the helm. Um, and I think it will be deeply good for Covenant House to have a new leader, but it's also in the marrow of my bones. So it's going to be very difficult. They're going to be prying me away from there on my last day. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, it's all part of this great journey that we are on together to find new spaces and places to love. And, and that's certainly where I'm headed. So your wife was working at the Covenant House when you met her and that's how you got involved? Well, we went to college together. So we met there and then she is a year older. She graduated and she went to New Orleans to volunteer for a year at Covenant House in New Orleans. And I kept going down there to ask her to marry me. And (laughs) she's like, you are an idiot and you're 20. So no. Um, (laughs) And in any event, I you know, was a little resentful at first. I was like, what's Covenant House and why are you leaving to go to New Orleans? Mm. Um, But sure enough, it was the beginning of the rest of our lives. Wow. And you've served as president for how long, Kevin? This is the end of my 14th year, you know, and some, sometimes it feels like it's been five and sometimes it feels like, um, you know, I started with uh, Cain, Abel and, uh, and Adam and Eve. It's been, (laughs) well, it's been both forever and just a blink. Well, I mean, for you, to and for the entire team to have to face a global pandemic yeah. of which yeah. nobody's seen in a hundred years. So for you again to be Papa Bear in an image of fifty thousand young people and yeah. having to be at the helm of that, right? I that's why it probably feels like you've been there since Adam and Eve because <laughs> I can only imagine what that might be like for these last two and a half years. Can you speak on that for a little bit? Yeah, for sure. It, it was at first terrifying. I was worried about my, my Ryan kids who were scattered across the country. My daughter, Nora, was in Texas doing a year of service with um, undocumented families. My son, Dan, was in graduate school in North Carolina. I have kids in DC and New York. So it was a very scary time for us, small circle, and a terrifying time for Covenant House and my Cub kids because we were living in, for the most part, in congregate spaces. And the Covenant House model is you come in the front door, no questions asked, exhale, get a shower, get a meal. So who knows if young people were sick or if the people inside Covenant House were sick. Within a couple of weeks, we had a staff person die. Within a few weeks after that, another staff person died in different parts of the country. We, we were flooded with young people who were symptomatic in New York by the end of March the team at Covenant House New York converted all the offices to what was essentially, I guess you would say a quarantine unit. They just became bedrooms for symptomatic kids. And I, those first two months, I thought, you know, this is unlike anything that I've ever experienced. And I don't know if we'll get through this. But like with everything at Covenant House, there's grace and providence and the most extraordinary courage of both the young people who trust us and the staff who keep showing up. Lots and lots of people got sick, um, but nobody else died after April of 2020. And I'll say this, you know, in those early days, maybe even in the first year, COVID just pummeled us. It put us in a corner and it stripped us of everything that mattered, community, connection, and it doubled down on isolation, anxiety, fear, and people were dying. Um, So 
that I worried was going to be the story. And then what happened, <laughs> you know, first responders, doctors, nurses, paramedics showed up in ERs at great risk to themselves and made sure that the sick were cared for. Yes. The mail still got delivered. Folks yep. were working through the night to put toilet paper on the shelves, even though people were crazy and were stealing or taking every roll of toilet paper they could find. All of these people just rose up because of their sense of duty and commitment to one another. And it was not only a dark time. It was instead, I think, or maybe ultimately a time of unconditional love and service and the good that showed up there in the faces of all these heroes. I take away as you know, the real lesson of the last two years, no matter how bad things get politically, economically, or in terms of the pandemic, there are still so many people who are heroic. And, and what are heroes? Heroes are people who love unselfishly. Yeah, and true. we have millions of them in our in our circle and millions of people who didn't know they were heroes until the moment arose and then they acted heroically and that's true for my covenant house colleagues many of whom could have said i'm done i'm going to collect unemployment i'm going to protect my family and they didn't they showed up and they didn't just show up you know like in the asbestos suit like they showed up and went into the sick rooms mm -hmm. and they sang and you you know this broadway costume designers who pivoted over and created masks for us we didn't have masks back then it was a beautiful, beautiful lesson to me that no matter how dark the dark gets, there are millions of people who are carrying the light forward. And you just have to um, make sure that you are in their company. And luckily, we were. At times for you, it must feel like all the work that you're doing and everything that you're trying to counter is just a drop in the ocean. And when you do get that feeling of uh, I'm a little bit overwhelmed and I've lost sight of some of the heroes and I feel like I'm dog paddling in the middle of, of the Atlantic, do you have a practice that you turn to? Do you have some, what do you do yeah. to buoy yourself when you're trying to buoy all yeah. of these kids? Yes. Well, that's for me, at least that's often ego. You know, when, when I feel like oh, I'm not, you know, I, I haven't ended homelessness. Well, I, I wasn't invited to end homelessness. I wasn't called to end homelessness. I was called to love. You know, I, I have a daughter who's gone through a very tough year. She's the strongest human being I know. And I, and I wrote her, she went on a retreat last week and I wrote her a note and I said, I love your strength. And if your strength allows you to love, um, then more on you. But you were not on this planet to be strong. You're on this planet to love. And I have just, in each of those moments where I wanted to be more or do more or turn Covenant House into the Kevin show, or be at the center of attention, which are all things that I could be very susceptible to if I'm not being mindful. I just return to, am I in a place where I can give and receive love? And if I am in that place, it's centering. Mm -hmm. God, it's the so golden beautiful. rule. The golden yeah. rule of any sort of belief, right? My grandmother, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but she always said, the Bible says, love your neighbor. It doesn't say trust them. It doesn't say fix them. It doesn't say, it says, love your neighbor. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. it seems like a very simple thing to do. But that remembering of, I am not meant to do fill in the blank. I'm simply here to, to love. That is a great thing and something I will put on loop in, in my head. Really true. Um, to go back to when we first met, it is when art was meeting this incredible mission. Um, and art, as, as far as, and as long as I've known you, has always been a part of the fabric of who you are. You welcome um, in the young people their 
visual artistry skills, their performance skills. And then you invite people like myself to give a little class or listen or help with their poetry or sing a duet with them from Wicked or, and to see how their posture changes, to Mm -hmm. see how they can express themselves so much more openly. The way I could see art help heal them and crack open their chest was such an honor and a privilege to be in the room. And I want to see how you marry those two things and how now mm-hmm. you've come at a crossroads and mm-hmm. you're going to continue, of course, with mm-hmm. Covenant House, but now stepping into the role of producer for mm-hmm. gorgeous stories that are being told on, on and off Broadway and how you're also bringing these kids to their first theatrical experience mm-hmm. and to witness that, to witness them seeing storytelling on a stage. I think, well, for sure, I've seen art and artists break open, as you said, kids' hearts and put them on a path to discovering their real purpose and their real bliss, their real joy, and giving them permission, you know, eye contact and saying to them, wow, you're really great. And just hearkening back to that first time that I saw you perform for Covenant House there's a young person who really wanted to tell her story, Steph, you remember this. And she got on the stage. And it's one thing to want to tell your story. It's another thing to be in front of a thousand people and share your own struggles with mental illness and the feelings of abandonment and the reality of abandonment that you'd endured. And she was just so full of um, her journey. And you took her hand and sang Defying Gravity to her, which by the way, she had done, you know, she had defied all the laws of gravity and you, this was completely unrehearsed. You, you know, you're both sobbing, you raised her hand in your hand and it was a beautiful moment, but I followed her after that. And it was a pivotal, and I think you did for a while too. It was Mm -hmm, a pivotal moment for her. It really changed how she saw the world and how she saw herself. And I've just had a million experiences like that at Covenant House, seeing young people who are great artists, musicians, painters, photographers, storytellers, be given permission to go do that thing. Um, So art connects, but it also heals and uplifts. I love that. I just, I love that. I've seen it over and over and over again. It's why at the brand new Covenant Houses in Vancouver, Alaska, New York, they're big art spaces because there are lots of folks who are going to come in and do masterclasses and mentor and teach and coach. Um, that's how the young person who once upon a time was living under the roof of Covenant House went on to be in a Broadway cast because mm-hmm. along the way, people kept mentoring them. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Go talk to this person. Go talk to that person. Um, And in terms of my own journey, you know, the reason Into the Woods for me is just such a gift is because, and it's the first time I'm producing on Broadway, and of course, I'm doing so much less than Jordan Roth and the other producers who have been doing this for a very long time. I'm along for the ride. Um, And I'm sitting in a masterclass of how do you produce something that is masterfully beautiful on Broadway and do it with um, dignity and integrity and invite the world in to see it. And there are two things I really love about Into the Woods. The first is, and this is the genius of Lear, the director, is, you know, this the show opens with these six, I guess seven if you count the cow, these seven characters um, facing the audience, right? Not one another, but looking at the audience. It is an invitation to community. It is saying we have overcome we are back, we are together, and we're going to share this story together. And right at the outset 
the audience senses this is different. These yeah, people yeah. haven't just started looking at each other and talking to each other and singing to each other, but these people are looking at us and inviting us to be in this with them. That feels incredibly special. And I've seen the show more than a dozen times. The audience always reacts to the invitation. I mean, it's bonkers sometimes. I feel like I, you know, like I'm at a rock concert. <laughs> um, and then, of course, um, the, the other thing I love about Into the Woods is that the producers and the company are being very intentional about inviting into this show lots and lots and lots of folks. And in my world, especially young people who don't have the privilege of being able to buy a Broadway ticket and they're getting to see this show, which is about community, connection, love, overcoming, banding together, grief, mm-hmm. abuse. It's just, I don't know, this is never going to happen again in my life. It is so beautiful. It is so perfect. And I'm only interested in a theater that invites and welcomes lots and lots and lots of folks into the experience. That's why the story of Suffs was important to me, because this is the story of my grandmothers who went to school before they had the right to vote. And none of that came easily. Sentimentalizing that now doesn't do justice to the struggle that my daughters now have in the world to say that this was easy for their great grandmothers because it was not. That's theater that teaches and invites. And yesterday I went to see the most extraordinary show, Leopoldstadt. And I'm telling you, not only did that move me, but it, I left the theater awakened to what's happening in our world now in a different way. Tom Stoppard isn't writing about 2020. He's not even writing about the 21st century. He's writing about a group of folks whose lives began more than 100 years ago, but he woke me up. And boy, is that just not exactly the essence of theater to teach, to reveal, to connect, to heal. I I feel very, very lucky to be a part of a community that, that has that as its purpose in the world. Anyway, I've got lots to learn too. If you ask me this question in five years, I'll have a different answer. But right now, I just think that it's an incredible, incredible privilege. So, Mary Lee, but my partner uh, and I have, um, we're not, obviously, we're not producing, but we're investing in LaShawn's team and Kimberly Akimbo. And we saw it the other night, and I was just blown away. It oh, is okay. beautiful. I'll see you opening night. I will you will see, see me opening night. night. Yeah, I'm so happy. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> what a small world. Isn't it so fun? It's such a fun little show. It's boy. so fun. And as a Jersey kid, it's like twice as much fun. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> and as a Jersey kid who was like a geek in high school, it's like three times as much fun. <laughs> It really is an anthem to all us geeks that were just, we didn't quite fit in. I just love it. It's so true. It's a great show. So again, going back to when we first met, it was there shortly after that you called me and said, let's, let's do lunch at a diner. And, um, I took the invitation, not quite knowing what to expect, but, the heart of you is always so true, Kevin. The heart of you is always the first thing to speak. You got right to the heart of the matter and the heart of me. And it was then that you spoke to the sleep out and that you were already doing it with executives and young people. And and we, I said, well, our community can do that too. And Kapathia Jenkins was on board. And we started pretty small and it has grown. It's now become the stage and screen sleep out. And the screen part is 
wildly impressive with Rachel Brosnahan, Emmy winners, you know, uh, people who have been in Oscar contention. And the only reason I say that and kind of want to emulate that is because their reach is so vast, whether that be through social media or whatnot. And it has really um, allowed for some awareness to the sleep out and to Covenant House. And we're coming up on that date. First, I need to say, We've always had it in August, which besides the flash flood warnings, and we've experienced that a couple of times sleeping outside, it's always been a a mild 68 degrees. But this year we've decided to do it in November. (laughs) I I have my qualms, but then you have to keep going back saying young people who do not have homes do not get to choose when they sleep out on the street. So I too need to embrace the whole understanding of what this mission is and it's not to pretend like we're homeless, but it is to be uncomfortable for one night, whatever those elements are, the hard concrete, a flash flood warning below zero degrees, whatever that looks like. We have to say for one night, we will accept those circumstances. And um, on November the 13th, Sunday night, we will do that again. The Broadway and, and screen community will sleep outside want to raise awareness and of course funds. I mean, nobody ever wants to talk about the money, but this is a very large mission and it takes a lot of wonderful people. And with that, of course, you have to fund it. So November the 13th is when we will sleep out once again, and this is our 10th year. Which is incredible. I mean, and you and Seb doing this. I'm not surprised you and Seb are doing this because I, you did it when, you know, Vivi was 15 seconds away from showing up. So I was like, oh, they're doing eight shows a week. It doesn't (laughs) surprise me that they're doing this leap out in the middle of eight shows a week because they did it when there were three of them. Um, And Audra too, you know, Sally was was five seconds away from arriving in the world. The the people who do the sleep out do it, um, as you know better than I do, do it because you deeply believe in this idea of giving young people a second chance. So thank you for, thank you for that, that, you know, there's no mission here without money. There's just none. And it's not a charity that gets a big um, set of government checks that cover all the books. This is funded by, you know, thousands of people across the world who are making sacrifices to help Covenant House operate in 34 cities. And that's how kids get fed and go to school and see doctors. And it's how they get clean clothes right? Mm -hmm. Kids coming off the street in Times Square or in Toronto or wherever they find themselves in the Hollywood Strip. You know, that's how it happens. So thank you for being part of the fundraising. And I also remember you were in the mystery of Edwin Drood and Hurricane Sandy shut down our Covenant Houses in Atlantic City because of the flood. And you and Seb um, offered a match and and then I think did it from the stage and people across, uh, you know, all your fans across your fandom match that. And that money was the first money that we had to um, put kids from their mo- from the shelter in Atlantic City into motels, um, which is what we were doing for oh, two months in Atlantic City until we could fix the shelter. Yeah, you guys have been extraordinary. And I'm so, and, I, and, and honestly, it's, I know why you do it. I know why you do it, but I'm still so grateful. I'm so, oh, so grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. 
But you'll be beside me on the cold November no, I will be. 13th. Yep, I okay, will go. Be. Okay, I'm just checking. Yeah, I will be. And when I get when I get disinvited <laughs> from the producing team because our two leads are sick with whatever you caught sleeping <laughs> out in the middle of November, that'll be the end of my producing exactly, career. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, all right, get yeah. the nonprofit guy out of the producer group. <laughs> Talk to me about Alaska sleep out. What is ooh, when do y'all do that one? You know, I, so we do it in Alaska. We do it outside the shelter. And it was one of my first ones. And it's not the coldest. By far and away, the coldest really? that I've done was in Toronto. I don't know why that oh. is, but it was brutal. And I did one in St. Louis that was also, it was February. And that was also brutal. I went to Orlando once and I thought, oh, this is going to be a breeze. Orlando in November. <laughs> it poured and I woke up and there was a, a raccoon four inches from my face. And I was like, no, this is horrific. This is really, (laughs) really bad. Um, And my colleague, Peggy Healy, who oversees a lot of our work in Latin America, she talks about the fact that in Latin America, there there were bats who were over her head. So the truth is, it's brutal on the streets for kids, whether you're in Orlando yes. or Toronto or Anchorage or Guata- you know, Guatemala City and yep. Tegucigalpa. It's just brutal. No young person should be on the streets unaccompanied. They just, they, we don't have to live in that world. No, we don't have to live in that world. I agree with you there. I don't believe that has to happen. We have the funds and if it's distributed in such a way, we truly could. I know we weren't placed on this earth to end homelessness, we could. And knowing that we could is what keeps us all going to, you know, constantly ask, invest, and like you said, show up. Showing yeah. up is is the most important, for sure. Amen. Yeah, for sure. That is the biggest piece of this. There's no suffering that is as bad when there's somebody sitting next to you. There just, it yeah. isn't. It isn't as bad when somebody accompanies you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that there isn't suffering in the world. And I, And for sure, it's not our job as adults to say to kids, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. That's not what we're invited to do. We're invited to sit next to them and say, yeah, this is terrible. You're right. This is terrible. Let's figure this out together because it's the together. And just circling back to Into the Woods, which I know is a story and it's a musical. And what we're talking about here is the reality of kids suffering on the street. But to the extent that there's a lot of synergy between the two, at the very end of Into the Woods were these two kids who are orphaned and alone. And yeah, they're shtick because one of the characters is so over the top, but they're kids and when the adults say, come, I will, you know, I will build a home for you. Oh, man, that just blows me away. It's and about little kids. Says, I'll cool. be your mother now. I'll yeah. Be- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the I think Jack wants it. to say, you know what? I'll take my chances in foster care. <laughs> <laughs> and then the baker says, no, 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 no. All you can right, come right. into our house. And Jack's like, all right, if it's with you, yes. If it's with her, no. Yeah. <laughs> that no one is alone sentiment. Yes. No, one is, no one is alone. No one yes. is alone. Right. Yep. Because yeah. into the woods is life, as we've said a hundred times. A hundred times. It is life. Yeah. It is life. It really is. It's fun and it's funny. And the stuff that's happening on that stage is some of the most perfect, beautiful, hilarious stuff that I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. But it's also life. Yeah. I know there was a group of Cove kids that did come to see the show. Do you remember what some of them might have said or what touched yeah. them in a personal way? Mm-hmm. Well, the first time there'd been several groups, um, because as I said, Into the Woods is doing this this um, beautiful work with the Harry Tubman effect and, and Nicole Johnson and bringing young people um, to the theater and really living out this commitment to diversity, equity, welcome, inclusion. Um, so in any event, the, the young people of Covenant House came and, you know, it's almost always for them. And I get anxious about this part, but it's almost always for them at the very end where, 
you know, Jack has lost his mother, Little Red has lost her grandmother and her mother. And, you know, no one's laughing at this point because those right. kids have a really different voice and they realize that their parents are dead and they are alone. And, you, you know, that's true for a lot of the kids who are seeing the show. And so it's talking to them in a very different way. And when the adults say, you're not alone, and eventually make a home with and for them, you know, that often rips the kids. There are some kids mm-hmm. who stiff upper lip it, other kids who have, you know, their face washed in tears. I think that the truth of it is, is that they see themselves in that moment and it invites them to open their hearts and, you know, let us a little more in, let others a little more in and build community, which, is, which for them is going to be the story of their lives because none of us do this alone, right? None of us. We're all the people, our ancestors who breathed into us, yes, you can, the people we've decided to spend our lives with, and then those we're responsible for raising up. This, our community, our tribe, we're all doing it together. And the Cub Kids, um, you know, really, really need that. And again, it comes back to being seen. It comes back to being seen. They see themselves up there. They feel seen because there's a story that they can relate to. Um, And I think that's what it comes down to. Again, it's that you're not invisible. You're seen someone, someone had to know how you felt in order to write those words and put it up on a stage. Mm -hmm. Right. My favorite Mary Oliver poem begins with, you do not have to be good. And, you know, and of course, one of the great lines of her poetry is what will you do with your one wild and precious life? And these are the two messages that our Cub kids um, are digesting and Covenant House is metabolizing that with them. Yeah. Right. You are enough. And what will you do with your one wild and precious life? It's a question for all of us. All of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what's funny is when we started this podcast and I built the website, that was the quote I put at the top of our website. That is exactly right. Yeah, that was the quote, because I said, that's what I want this, this podcast to be about. What are you going to do with this one precious life that you have? And this is one stage, one moment in that life where you're going right. with it. Isn't that yeah. crazy stuff? That yes, was our quote. It really is. Yeah. That really wow. is. It's on our mission and, statement. Oh, and that, that is the beauty. We have one precious life, but we can restart. We can redirect. We can, right. every new sunrise is a new beginning, right? It's not like you only live once, you only die once, and you have many opportunities mm. to live many lives in right. that precious life. Right. And that's the gift I think you're giving with Covenant House, a new a new beginning, a new direction, mm-hmm. a new commitment to themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, thank you it's for really everything that you do. It's, it is extraordinary. Oh. No, it's my joy. It is so my joy. Thank you. All right. It is time to stump him with <gasps> five question stuff. Let's Wait, the connection. Do I'm it. losing the connection. Oh, no. <laughs> No, no. You may be a great CEO, president and producer, but you're not a great actor, Kevin. So I did not believe (laughs) Kevin, if we were to tell your family and friends that you've been arrested, what Mm. would they assume that you have done to land yourself in jail? They would assume that I'd broken into a bakery and that I was eating up all the sweets inside the bakery, especially if it was after 10 o'clock at night. Well, I can power through a day of exercise and healthy eating, but come that halftime on Thursday, Monday night football, I am like dead man walking. It is like powdered sugar all over. Bring me a donut. 
A donut? No. <laughs> no. A box of donuts? Correct. Okay. If you could live in any other era, what would it be? Oh, that's tough. I, I, there are times I wish I could go in a time machine, you know, and travel back to my childhood and say, hey, it's going to be okay. So I think that would be a fun journey, but I, I really don't want to live in a different era there. This is the best, this is the best time that we've lived in. And for all its brokenness, it's just dramatically better than it has ever been. I don't, I don't want to go backwards. Um, this is an old question, but I, I genuinely want to know the answer. If you could have any other skill or superpower, what would it be? Oh, that's so good. I, I mean, selfishly, I'd love to fly, but um, don't you think, I think we all, we know this, we, we have the greatest superpower of all we can love and, and receive love in return. And I don't mean that sentimentally, but think of any other force that through the entire course of human history has healed and overcome. It's always been love. It's always been love. And we get to do that. Someone can be deeply hurting and I have the power to soften that. Somebody can be unsure and I can encourage. So I, I think that love is the superpower and I have that and I don't want to trade it even for uh, the flight of fancy that I would like to take, but I don't think I'm going to get wings in this life. So I'll stick with love. <laughs> okay. okay. Aside from donuts, tell me something that you secretly hoard or collect. Oh, that's so good. Something <laughs> I secretly hoard or collect. Hmm. I guess books, but it's not so secret. I have this whole shelf of books that if I was a decent human being, I would have passed on to others and said, I'm done, you read it. Um, but I hold on to them and it makes Claire crazy. She's just like, stop with this. Can we please give this away? All right. Well, this is a constant. If you were a nail polish, mm, what's the yeah. color and what's oh, the man. cheeky little name? I asked my Ryan kids, I, the girls, I was like, you know, what do you think? And they're like, please get away from me. <laughs> they have zero interest in helping. So I can't even phone a friend on this. I don't know. I wish I had something spectacularly interesting to say, like some of your guests have, but I don't, I don't. This is crazy because I knew this was coming. I knew I know. it. I'm going to say red and okay. I'm going to say you could call it love red. And that's the least creative answer ever, but uh, that's where I'm at. No, I love it. Love. Okay. In the chakra system, red is the first chakra. It's the base chakra, and it is the symbol of home and a being. Oh, and your I right to know be. That. It's your right to be in this world. Is oh, no, I oh, there love you that. go. There That's you wow. go. Red. Wow. It is a privilege to know you, my friend. And you. Thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks for the joy that you spread in your podcast. I love it. I find it so interesting. I know so many other people do. Thanks for doing this. It's really, really a gift. I'm so Thank glad you. that you were a part of it. And honestly, and I mean this from the heart, please call on me for anything. I'm, I'll come in and teach yoga classes. I'll come in and do whatever. Just Oh, Mary Lee, no, you're going to so it. regret that. No, no, I <laughs> Stephanie won't. Stephanie and Seb would, would have so honored. much more money if, if they'd never met me. They'd be living in the mansion on two coasts. Phoebe would be going to the most elite school. Mary Lee, I'm think sure twice. I'm, I'm going to sure suck them. Cope with sleeping outside because I won't even camp because I'm such a big baby. Yeah, she but won't I, do that. Oh, no, but I she'll do camp. other things. But I'll do okay, other great. things. I'll do, I'll other, do things. other things. Great, great. I'm going to take you up on that. 
Coming up next, what struck a chord with us right after a word from our sponsor. Y'all, Stages is now sponsored by BetterHelp, and I couldn't be more excited because I love therapy. So I encourage you, if you've had a tough year and a half, <laughs> why don't you give them a shot? You can find a therapist that you can connect with. Their resource is thousands of therapists, well-trained and experienced. You can keep looking until you find someone that you click with. They have customized online therapy. They do offer videos, but they also offer phone and live chat sessions. So you don't even have to be seen. You can only be heard. What are you waiting for? Go to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P dot com slash stages. And for our cast members, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash stages. Go, go, go. Go find your healing. Go find your happy. Stages podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. World changer. Oh. World changer. I know. I know. And I, you know, it's interesting because I do believe there are people walking about that may not have the direction or the opportunity to do what Kevin does, but they have the spirit and they have the heart and they have. So I just encourage anybody out there who, when they are silent, there's a voice that's saying you can do more or uh, do you want to get involved in? Don't hesitate. Google the the cause, the charity, the movement that really affects you, whether it's kids, whether it's animals, whether it's a, a, a food pantry, and just take the first step. You don't have to know anything. You literally just have to say, I am here and tell me what to do. And then little by, because I was intimidated at first too. I thought, what did I have to offer? They can't possibly learn anything from me, but I just felt yeah. unworthy and unskilled to be a part of this movement. I'm telling you, it will feed you in ways you will never regret the yes. Yeah. And you will learn as you go. And, um, I don't know. I, I just take really great comfort in seeing other people that want to give of their time, mm. of their treasure, and of their talents to help other people. It's yeah. it's beautiful. I've heard you talk about it for so long. You know, you've you really have talked about the Covenant House and the thing, the gifts that you feel you've gotten from from helping out there and being a part of it. And so I'm so, so happy that he came on to talk to us. When he was talking about you know, love is the superpower and how he just loves people out of the state that they're in, you know, a negative state into a positive. It, it does make you just want to cry, but it also made me like, it made me feel so sad because I know that that's the truth. Mm -hmm. And even with people in my life, sometimes I can't get there. I, my own wounds jump in front of what, you know, is just loving someone out of something and your own wounds jump in and you go, no, well, I have to have boundaries and I, they, they can't treat me badly. And I just keep loving them while they treat me badly. And it's, that's such a struggle in my life, particularly at this moment to just love, to just love and let my own wounds move out of the way and not just have compassion and empathy for what the other person's going through, but to actually love them through it. Mm -hmm. sometimes that's really challenging for me. Yeah. And, and I'm has, embarrassed to say it, but it's the truth. No, it's a challenge for everyone. I mean, we're humans and 
he has said to me, you know, the, the big difference between for him defining love is you just don't tolerate people. You need to celebrate them. And that also was a thing that that flipped a switch in my mind and my heart, where you can say, oh, they're fine. I mean, I guess I can spend an hour or so with them. And that doesn't make the person perfect. That doesn't make them in full agreement with you or you in agreement with them. But there's got to be an aspect, a sliver, a, a, a characteristic that you can recognize and say, that is really special. And I'm going to celebrate that. And once you can find the celebration, then that starts having ripple effects. See them and celebrate them rather than just tolerate. I think you do that though. I've never actually thought about it in those words, but now that you're saying those words, I think you do that. I think you find things to celebrate people all the time. I try. I think I've left many an occasion with you feeling celebrated for something I didn't even know about myself. I think that's really true about you. I wouldn't have put it that way before you just said that, but I think that's that's a definition of exactly what it is. Isn't that nice? Oh my gosh, that's a nice you thing put to put that hear. in the world, Thank sister. Thank you, sister. Thank you. I would invite you to there. I believe there is a covenant house in Boston. Maybe you guys could ask and see if you could just take a peek around. It's it's really so so impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they seem really special. Really special. I think I will. I think I will. Good. Good. Try to get Seb in there with me. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Oh my gosh. He, I, he, especially young people can connect with each other in a way that even if we tried, you know, you and I is again, we're going to say it middle-aged white cis women, yeah. um, you perhaps cannot, we could offer our own sort of, you know, superpowers, but a young person meeting another young person that could go in there and give boxing lessons oh and help my those gosh. kids channel some of their stuff. And wouldn't yeah. that be wonderful? Yeah. There mm-hmm. might be some liability vouchers, but I say do it. <laughs> well, in the book, he talks about that one kid who got into boxing and how it turned right. his life around, right? You're right. And the kid, yep. and I, th- I believe the kid even said, like, I got to channel all of this stuff that was going on in me through in the ring. And it changed his whole point of view. <sighs> pretty interesting. Outlets, man. Outlets. This was a good one, Steph. Thank you for, for bringing them in. Pleasure. Love you, lady. Have a great week. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you loved this episode or any of our episodes, please follow, subscribe, and share on all your social media platforms. Go ahead and give us five stars and a review. That helps us a lot. You can always find us at stagespodcast.net. Thank you to Allison Arns, our booking agent, Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer, Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our original music, and Tina Wargo, our social media manager. Stages podcast is produced and edited by me, Mary Lee Fairbanks, and Stephanie J. Block. And thank you to all of you, our cast members, for listening. We'll see you real soon.